Hello everyone and welcome to the seventh episode of the Connectivity Podcast. I'm Matthias Fridström and I've spent the last 25 years inside the connectivity community. In this pod, we invite guests to deep dive into one or many subjects to simply learn more about connectivity. So in this seventh episode, I'm extremely happy to have Christian Koch from Digital Reality here as my guest. So welcome, Christian. Okay, Christian, welcome. Hey, Matthias. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. For those people that doesn't know you, you know, who are you? I am Christian Koch, and I'm from New York City. I've spent a good part of my career building networks and operating networks, and I'm endlessly curious and really passionate about digital infrastructure. All right. Uh, I, I see you recently moved to digital reality. You know, what are they? I did. And, uh, you know, so Digital Realty is a global data center platform, and we're dedicated to serving customers from enterprise co-location all the way to hyperscale. We operate about 280 data centers across more than 45 metro areas in probably like a little bit more than 20 countries. All right. Okay. You said in the beginning you worked a lot with the internet and have worked a lot with the global internet for a long time. You know, how would you state that the sort of, how is internet feeling these days? This is an interesting question, Matthias. It's different, right? I think just because of the the, the COVID-19 pandemic that you know, we're in the middle of uh, has changed a lot of things, has changed everything. And, you know, the internet is one of them, right? More people are home, more people are using video conferencing, more people are using streaming entertainment. And then if you look on the other side of things, you know, uh, we are making a lot of improvements to, you know, creating a better internet. Yeah. W- would you actually say that the internet survived the pandemic good so far? Ha- has it performed as you would expect? I, I think so. I think so. And, you know, that that also brings a lot of questions to, you know, all of the talk about we need gigabit Ethernet at home. I tell you what, that I have 200 megabit connection here in my home and everything has been more than fine with, you know, two people working full time jobs and streaming entertainment. Oh, that's good. That sounds good. One thing I've always thought about, you know, is that internet as as a function is still a very trust-based network. You know, there are really no rules out there. How, how would you see that? You know, is that the thing for the future as well? If the question, you know, we say, if, can, can the internet sustain on a trust-based model? Um, you know, I think it can. And that's because if you look at the history, we... You know, us network engineers, sysadmins, we're very good at using duct tape and band-aids, right? So if we made it work for the last 20, 30 years, I think we can make it work for the next 20, 30 years. But that's not to say that we should, right? I'm sure you know, as I know, working with networks over our careers, that networks are fragile. And, you know, have you ever met anyone that uh, was not scared of, you know, an outage or something going wrong while upgrading code on a router or, you know, making changes with BGP or something. Uh, It doesn't matter if they're the engineer performing the work or, you know, the person talking to the customers. With that said, I think that, you know, we are making a lot of good progress and I don't want to downplay any of the work that has been done. I think one of your last guests, Jerome from Cloudflare, I call him the RPKI king <laughs> because, you know, him and the team at Cloudflare have played a critical role in security of the internet, you know, as as has Telia um, and, and a bunch of other guys. So uh, I think we're making very good strides towards improving the trust-based model that the internet has been working on. 
Um, that sounds good. Uh, I know for a number of years, people talked about the internet as, you know, everyone said the content is really the king here and they can do whatever they want with everyone else. Do you feel that's still the same or do you feel there is more respect from the content guys towards the service providers or are we still feeling that they treat everyone like they want to? Yeah, you know, it's just, it, it's interesting, right? Because it's kind of that they're no longer the OTT or they're no longer really the content guys, right? It's, you know, they've mostly morphed into big public cloud providers, right? I mean, there's still a couple, you know, your Facebook and your Twitter and, you know, some other uh, very big content players, Netflix and, and all that. But, you know, I, I think that they are making improvements in in how they work and how they work with the industry and the community. They are always front and center doing what they can to further the community and further the internet. If you just look at the number of projects, you know, that people like Facebook and Google have in Africa, I think uh, I think we're making some very good progress. Okay, well, that's good. Um, another thing when I think about the internet ecosystem is, of course, you know, the, the start of internet was a lot of internet exchange points. That's where, where it all started, the networks. 25 years later, do you feel there is still a role for them or have internet grown out of these internet exchange points and people are more doing connections other ways or are they still needed? Yeah, so I think that's an interesting question, uh, Matthias. You know, in the end of the day, it depends, right? I mean, I think... Exchanging traffic locally in the market where it belongs is usually a good thing, but everyone should develop their own strategies. You know, that means one network might connect to multiple IXPs in every single city. And, you know, one network might connect to only a few cities or a few countries around the world. And another network might use things like private cloud connectivity. And so I think we are seeing a change, albeit it may be a little bit slow. But I don't think that, you know, Internet exchanges as they are are going to be the same in 10 years from today. You know, maybe we will have a small group of them that still are performing the utility that they are. And I think that's where a lot of people really should focus on that is that, you know, these a lot of these Internet exchanges are really a utility, right? They are a place for networks to exchange traffic. Yeah. Another thing that we think about in the ecosystem, and, and of course, you you now joined the co-location companies, but I think, you know, a couple of years ago, co-location companies was really co-location companies. Do you see them uh, and a number of them really, you know, starting to build networks as well? You know, not only the real estate going into the service provider space. How, how do you view that? Is that the next step for them? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is this is a really interesting turn of events. You know, everything that's old is new again, and it's with almost anything in tech. Even even things like fashion, right? What it's old is new again and colors and, and, and everything like that. But, you know, when we want to talk about data centers, yes, they are they are becoming this, you know, single place where you can go and you can get uh, space and power and you can get connectivity and you can, you know, get bare metal servers in some situations. And this is the path that some companies decide to go down. And that's their choice. You know, I think when we look at this, especially from digital realty point of view, you know, we want to see that open ecosystem thriving and, you know, really creating a platform that creates value for our customers, right? If our customers are servicing their customers and creating value for themselves, then we're doing our job well. It's all about the customer, though, at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and that's a good point. Uh, going back to yourself, you know, I know you're one of the founders of this New York Network Operators Group. What is that? Yeah, so I think it's been just over four years now and since we started Ninog. And we're basically a hyper-local, smaller version of Nanog, which is the North American Network Operators Group. And as you know, there's 
network operator groups all around the world. So we have a few meetups a year, typically once a quarter, where we bring together network operators and really anyone interested in networks or IT to hang out, you know, check out a couple of presentations and uh, make some new friends and have some good conversations. The community is, you know, very important to the industry. And I think that having these hyper local operator groups, you know, is really amazing. And Chicago has one, Boston, Las Vegas. So the United States are getting all these smaller hyper local, like I like to call them, uh, operator groups throughout the country. And I think it's a good thing. You know, I just saw someone on Twitter talking about starting one in Baltimore and uh, go ahead, do it, you know, and uh, if you have any questions, feel free to message us. Community is really important in this industry. Oh, that's really cool. I, I like the idea. Uh, another thing I know is that you're having a newsletter. Uh, you're sending out the newsletter. I'm one of the guys that read it. Who's your target group for that newsletter? Who should apply for it? Yeah, so it's uh, it's really about you know committing to too many projects, Matthias, and that's <laughs> how I got started. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, well, look, I love the internet, and I'm a really curious person. I have no interest in becoming actually the most well-known expert in anything. Uh, I don't really think that is that is that fun. Why do I only want to know about one thing, right? To me, that's boring. I don't. I want to know about everything. I want to know a little bit about everything. I have so many interests, and I'm I'm curious, and you know, the amount of curiosity is that come up when I'm just walking down the street or are endless. I couldn't even tell you how many times uh, just within a one block, you know, uh, walk, how many times I'm curious about something I see. So I figured one day why I spend so much time reading and browsing the internet and learning about new things, especially when it comes to digital infrastructure and the internet, you know, why not take that and, you know, put it in a notepad and then uh, send it out in a newsletter? You know, I had seen that newsletters were becoming more popular. So I decided to just do it. You know, I love helping people. I really, I really hope the newsletter helps other people in one way or another. And, you know, it's for everybody. You know, the people that subscribe, it's from, you know, investors at very large private equity funds to executives at network service providers like yourself, you know, all the way to students. No, I I, I enjoyed it. You know, I've, uh, I'm one of the people that read it. I'm, I'm, as you said, I'm super curious as well. And I think you're helping me finding new things I've never seen before. So that that's really cool. All right. One of the things we've done on our side is we've done a survey uh, of enterprise customers during summer. And one of the things that came out of that survey was that the majority of them answered that internet is just a connectivity commodity for them. 19% of them said that they actually care about who they connect to. The rest don't. What's your view on that one? For us, that was a big surprise because we feel there are differences between networks. Is it like that, you know, don't enterprises care about who they connect to? Yeah, well, look, Matthias, when I read that, I, I laughed a little bit because uh, I spent the last couple of years doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of people, especially at enterprise companies uh, regarding, you know, what they look for in networks and, you know, how, how they connect to, you know, the IT resources that help their business uh, kind of go, you know, and with technologies like SD-WAN and network as a service platforms, I think there's you know, this this big notion that it doesn't really matter anymore. And, you know, I, I do kind of agree with that and, you know, believe that we need to evolve the network to be more like the cloud, right? It shouldn't matter whose fibers in the ground or, you know, what kind of optical transponder a company is using. You know, the goal here at the end of the day is to move the data from one place to another. Uh, however, uh, I do think there needs to be some criteria when evaluating even, internet providers, right? There, you know, you cannot go and say that 
you know, compare Telia to like a small company that just serves a small region in the United States and say they are the same, right? So I think you need companies do need to have some uh, evaluation criteria when they look at networks and understand how they're connected and understand how they scale and, and, and the size of scale they operate at and along with a number number of other things. I think you're right there. And obviously, a service provider like us, we, we would love to let people believe that there is actually a difference between networks. And one of the things I'm working a lot on is, you know, spreading the words around how internet actually works, so that people understand that you can build it in very different ways and so on. Do you have any ideas? Are there any measurements out there? Are there any ways of proving that your network is good enough or, or better than someone else's? I think there's a lot, you know, that that network service providers and and internet service providers can do to continue to innovate and evolve. And as far as measurement goes, yeah, I mean, I think there is there is some more they can do. And I think it may really be just as simple as putting the content together and putting it out there. I mean, if you look if you look back at history and in the past, I mean, how many times do you actually see you know, uh, ISP or NSP really talking about the network, you know, deep down and, and, and getting really into it, how it works, why it's connected to what it's connected to, where, why it exists in certain locations. So I think there's a lot of work to do. And I think, I think I just kind of, you know, answered my own kind of thought, which is, it's really about education, right? And and there's people out there who love to learn this stuff. So I think that's your that's your path as a network service provider to, you know, really getting that message across is, is educating people. I think you're right there, really, and, and we have just to keep on pushing there. Another thing that came out of this survey uh, that we thought was really, really cool was that sustainability is suddenly a criteria when they select providers. So they didn't select, they said that everything was the same, but they also said that sustainability was very important. I don't know, you know, sometimes you believe that they just answered that because they have to answer that. But I know you're a man of sustainability as well, you know. How do you, how do you view that area, you know? Is the world becoming more sustainable in the telecoms internet sector? That's a great question. And, you know, I, I believe it. If you if you read anything about sustainability and ESG, which is, you know, for those that don't know, environmental, social and governance, there's a big demand out there from both customers and investors and, you know, uh, government agencies and nonprofits to operate with more transparency and social good and to use clean energy and things like that. So, I absolutely believe it. And it's, you know, I think it does come as a shock initially that, you know, people are answering the survey question like that. But I think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I really agree that it's a good thing, you know. Uh, do you have any tips and tricks for becoming more sustainable? Where should a service provider start, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, you know, this is really hard, right? But, um, you know, because it's it, in like being sustainable encompasses so many different components, right? And, you know, for one, if you can leverage renewable energy, you know, solar, wind, hydro, uh, there's many types. Uh, that's that's a start, right? And even things that folks might not know are part of sustainability is things like employee wellness programs and ensuring that you have a diverse, you know, workforce and you, you are you are equal pay to men and women. So those are a few things, and there's so many things you can do, um, you know, to to get on the path to creating a sustainable company. That's that's good thinking. I understand you guys in digital reality, you're, you're part of the co-location business, and, and that one is really dependent on green energy, as you as you just mentioned. You know, what is it that you're actually doing there to to promote this or or drive this? 
We're at Digital Realty, we're super committed to sustainability and managing our environmental impact as well as optimizing our use of energy and natural resources. So we, you know, we focus on our efforts to create green energy efficient data centers that really improve uh, environmental performance, right? So, you know, providing data center solutions that deliver industry leading energy productivity and resource efficiency, increase client value, lower cost of ownership. Uh, these are all things that, you know, really, uh, you know, that we do for sustainability, you know, uh, empower employees and, and customers to improve resource efficiency it's in areas such as energy, water, waste and carbon. Uh, and, you know, we communicate our performance regularly and are transparent with our stakeholders and our customers to understand what we're doing when it comes to sustainability. And do you feel there is a change out there or do you feel still most people say, you know, sustainable is good, but I'm always going to select the lowest cost option, whatever it <laughs> does to the environment? Do you feel that the people are actually listening to you and, and following your advice? I want to say yes, and but you know I think everybody knows that there's always going to be someone that's going to pick cost over something like sustainability or performance or or something like that. But I think we are making a, a really really important strides, and I think there are a lot of people who do really care about that and are going to choose a provider that uh, is transparent about their sustainability initiatives and is clearly. Uh, working on a lot of things, caring about the environment and, you know, uh, their employees and, you know, well-being and social good and all of these uh, sustainability goals. Wow, that's good to hear. And especially for us up here in the Nordics as well, who's trying to push this green energy for data centers as, as well. So that sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. In the next episode, we will continue to talk to Christian Koch, so stay tuned until next time. Please also remember the Twitter handle ConnectivityPod for updates.